0: Well, good morning. Welcome to Faith on Hill's Sunday morning online service. We are in week two of a new series called The Story, and what we are doing is we are telling the stories of the Christian faith. I didn't say the story on purpose, because what we have found is that everyone has a story or stories that they tell about certain beliefs, certain truths, certain events. Now, their story, my story, your story, might not be the true story. It might not be the story that God has told us about who he is and who we are. But the stories that we tell and we believe and we live by often have more weight and more power than the story that God tells. So each week, we are asking and answering three questions. What story do we tell about a certain subject? What story does God tell about that subject, and what story do we actually live by in regards to that subject? And this week, we are going to tell the story of people. Have you ever been in a meeting or around a table or in a conference call or a Zoom meeting, and everyone there is generally a similar type of person except like one or two people? Uh, I've been in meetings where it is all dudes except one lady. And, and so the discussion and the decision-making is, is very um, male-dominated, and there's that one gal. I've been in meetings uh, where it is all white people, men and women, and then there's that one minority, that one black person, that one Hispanic person, uh, that one Asian person. I've been in meetings where it is all older people, and then the decisions are being made, and there's one younger person in the room, or vice versa, all younger people and one older person. And then what happens, inevitably, is somebody thinks to say to that minority person, whether they're old or young, male or female, uh, uh, you know, black or Hispanic or, or Asian, doesn't matter, they'll say to that person, What do the group that you represent believe about this subject? What do young people think about this? What do women think about this? What do, what do people of color think about this? And I have a joke that, that I've, I've shared a few times with my friend, Pastor Herman. And you might remember Pastor Herman. Um, uh, he shared with us back in June um, about uh, the, the killing of George Floyd and, and other things. And, and Herman and I uh, were in a meeting recently where he was the only person of color in the meeting and everyone else men or women were all white and uh i joked with him before the meeting and i said now herman this is the part of the this is the meeting where you're going to speak for all black people because obviously you guys, and I'm joking here, but obviously you guys all think exactly alike and have all the same opinions 100%. And I'm going to speak for young people. And uh, that gal over there, she's the only woman in the room, she's going to speak for all women because all women agree on everything. That's an obviously absurd statement. Yet we often act like it's true. You get one young person in a room and they'll represent all young people as if that was the case. One older person in the room and they'll speak for the needs or concerns or feelings or thoughts of all older people as if all older people were monolithic or, or lockstep in their views. And so we say, what do, what's the story that we tell about ourselves? What's the story that humans tell about humans? It's complex. It's conflicting. We're not in lockstep. We're not monoliths. Ask somebody, are humans basically good or are humans basically evil? And you won't just get two different answers. You'll get a thousand different answers because we don't all think alike or view things the same way or process the same way. We don't all tell the same story about who we are individually or collectively as people. So humans tell conflicting stories about ourselves. Are we good or are we bad? Depends on who you read, depends on who you listen to. Uh, St. Augustine was, was one of the big proponents of the concept of original sin, the idea that because of the sin of the first humans, Adam and Eve, that all humans since then are born basically evil. And then there's philosophers like Rousseau who say that, no, all humans are born basically good. And then there's people who say that humans are born essentially neutral and either because of circumstance, nurture, or because of a predisposition that they have themselves, nature, or or some other factor that we haven't accounted for or a combination of all of those factors that humans are born neutral, but then they either become good or bad and then they can change from being essentially good or essentially bad and they can flip. And then there's people who say, well, it's complicated. Humans are both good and bad. Like I said, we tell conflicting stories. Are we the dominant species or are we not really that important? Again, it depends on who you ask. Some people say we are the top of the food chain, that human beings are the pinnacle of life on earth. Others will philosophize and say that we are equally important as the bumblebee. And if you've seen Bee movie or just read a, a a newspaper report in the last few years about how bee populations are in danger, you know that the bee is incredibly important. And if you haven't seen Bee Movie, it's the movie with Jerry Seinfeld, where he's a bee, it's a cartoon, it's awesome. But are we the most important? Are we the dominant life on the planet? Or, or are we just all equal? Or some would say that we are actually less important than other species. Again, we tell complex and conflicting stories are human beings getting better or are we getting worse this is an age-old debate there are those who look around and say things are getting worse everywhere you look everywhere you turn humanity is on a downward trajectory and others say no we are I mean, it's not, it's not a straight path, but generally speaking, humans are evolving. Humans are developing. Humans are growing. Humans are getting better than they used to be. And some people say it's a mixed bag. You know, that country, that culture seems like it's on an upward trajectory, but that culture or that country or that part of the country seems like it's on a downward trajectory people in rural America think that, uh, you know, urban America is just on its way to Thunderdome, right? I've been getting these ads on Facebook and Instagram from people who are trying to depict our area as basically being something out of, like, Escape from New York. And and I, I told somebody recently, in fact, I had somebody who I, I don't know that well. It's a distant acquaintance, but they sent me a Facebook message and they said, Are you okay? Are, are things okay in Portland? Do you feel safe? And I said, Honestly, yes. Like, yes. Are there, are there places in Portland that are uh, kind of no go zones right now? Sure. There's three blocks downtown by the courthouse where I never went anyway. And, uh, Now I'm really not going down there. But you understand this conflicting view. Are things getting better? Are things getting worse? Are we basically good? Are we basically bad? All of these things that we ask, it depends on who you ask, and that's the story that you get. Now, we've been asking three questions. What's the story we tell? And we can't agree with ourselves. So what's the story that God tells? Well, first... In Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, God ceased from his creation. It says rested from his creation. Doesn't mean he was tired, it just means he stopped. He stopped creating and he looked around and he looked at the plants and he looked at the animals and he looked at the sun and he looked at the moon and he looked at the land and he looked at the sea and he looked at the hydrological systems and he looked at the tectonic plates and he looked at the earth's core and its gravitational field and its atmosphere and he looked at the stars and the constellations and he looked at Saturn and he looked at the tiniest bug and he looked at all of his creation. And he said, this is good. This is good. And that includes people. He looked at people and he said, this is good. So what happened? Some people read those verses and they say, God didn't know what he was talking about. This isn't that good. And they fail to understand what happens next. Because as you may well know, in Genesis chapter three, at some point, now we don't know how long, and I think that's something, by the way, totally off subject, but I think that's something that readers of the Bible don't give enough attention to. We don't know how long Adam and Eve were in the garden, but at some point, Adam and Eve, the first humans in this paradise that God has created in the garden of Eden that he created specifically for them, And he looked and he saw it was good. At some point, they made it bad. At some point along the way, they sinned. They did the one thing they were not supposed to do. The one thing that gave them free will, gave them freedom of agency, gave them freedom of choice. There was one tree and everybody thinks it's an apple, but it never says that it's an apple. And I don't believe that it was an apple. We went uh, apple picking. We went out to Hood River. Uh, we went out to Mountain View Orchards and Hood River and we, we picked a bunch of apples. And so we've got, you know, Angie made applesauce and apple butter and uh, this apple cake thing. And we've been eating apples. I don't believe that it was an apple. But there was a fruit that they weren't supposed to eat and they ate it anyway in direct defiance of God. And that rebellion, that defiance, that sin, that evil messed everything up. The whole earth, Genesis chapter 3 tells us, is under the curse of sin and death because of what they did. I think that's another thing that readers of the Bible do not give enough importance to. That it wasn't just that all of a sudden humanity could no longer exist in the paradise of the Garden of Eden. It wasn't just that no longer could humanity eat from the tree of life, which the... the indication is that eating from that tree kept you young and kept you vibrant and kept you essentially immortal it's not just that we were expelled from paradise but that it affected the rest of the world which sin does doesn't it you know i can uh i can be grumbly and bitter and, and have a spirit that won't forgive. And I think that doesn't affect anyone but me, but the truth is it'll affect my relationship with others. It'll affect how I live my life. It will have consequences beyond who I am and what I do. Uh, I know a lot of people who have chosen to live outside of Christian community, outside of the one another, the connection of being part of the family of Jesus, and they say, it doesn't It doesn't matter. Yeah, I know what the Bible says about not forsaking the gathering together, the assembly. I know that verse, but it doesn't matter. It won't affect anyone. This is just me. And they don't realize that it affects a lot of people. I, I know a lady who is one of the most wonderful people I've ever met, and she loves Jesus and hasn't gone to church in over a decade. And I was talking with somebody uh, I, uh, about her, as a f- friend of mine's mom, and, and I said, man, she is robbing some church in Seattle because she is such a wonderful, wonderful Christian lady. And there is a church somewhere that could use her wisdom and experience and her, her modeling of love and grace. There is a church somewhere that needs her, and she's robbing them. I know many, many, uh, people my age who are in the same camp, they, they don't go to church and it's not just that they're robbing a church, but you see this where their Christian faith does not pass on to the next generation. And you see that the grandparents had a conversion experience, the kids had a, a, a conversion experience too but they never connected with church or or because of some reason they haven't and then their kids the third generation do not walk with the lord that's actually a very common experience but the point is is that god made things good including people and then we made ourselves bad. Romans chapter 3 verse 23, very well-known verse, says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Are we born sinners? I believe that the Bible teaches that we are, that we are all born into sin. We are born with sinful natures because the very first Adam sinned and had a sin nature. And then when he and his wife had children and their children had children and so on and so on, all the way down to me, this Adam, I was born with that same sin nature. Just just as if, um, you know, my my parents, somewhere along the line, there were the genetics necessary to have red hair. And, and my hair used to be as red or redder than my beard is, and it's gotten... Uh, less so as I've gotten older and it's on its way to, uh, you know, eventually it'll be white. But uh, somewhere along the line, somebody had the genetics for red hair. And so I was born with the genetics for red hair. Somewhere back, those first humans had the spiritual makeup of a sin nature and I was born and you were born and every human ever was born with a sin nature except Jesus. So, humans were created basically good, but we've made ourselves bad. So, are people basically good or are they, are they basically bad? I believe that humans are basically evil. Jesus actually said this too. He said, You know, you, speaking to the people, the crowd, he said, If you who are evil know how to do good things for your children, how much more will your Father in heaven do good things for you? What he's saying is, You're all sinners. You are all sinful. You are all evil. And yet, you know how to do something good. I believe this is where we say, well, no, some people are good people. Because what we're doing is we're grading on our own scale. We're grading on our own scale. That's how we can tell a story that makes ourselves comfortable, right? Because this whole thing is about the stories we tell. We tell stories that make ourselves comfortable. We say, yeah. I know that I've done a few bad things in my life, but I'm not as bad as my dad was. I'm not as bad as this person who wronged me is. I'm not as bad as this horrible person, you know, uh, The the whoever you think of as the worst person. And then inevitably, it always goes to Hitler. Well, sure, sure, I've done some things and I stole from work or I, I, I cheated on this or I did this bad thing, but I'm not Hitler. And then Hitler goes, yeah, but I'm not Stalin. I mean, I killed 6 million people, but he killed like 30 million people. And Stalin's like, yeah, but I'm not Mao. And it just keeps going on and on and on. And everybody's trying to one up each other. But here's the truth. All of us have sinned. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So when I say somebody's a good person, it's like it's a relative statement. Yes, relative to like the rest of humanity, that person is good. But what, the, what, what God actually says is that he is good. He is perfect. He is truly loving. He is truly pure. And we were made in his image, but that image has been distorted disrupted. So we are born sinners. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 answers the question of our place in this world though. Even though we are sinners, we are still born the dominant species. Uh, Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, God says to be fruitful and multiply and to subdue the earth. That human beings are supposed to rule the planet that we are supposed to spread out and and farm and establish and build that's what God part of what God created us to do now do we do it sinfully yes do we take the thing that we're supposed to do and pervert it yes just because we are supposed to uh, be fruitful and multiply and and you know essentially uh, Take this planet and, and oversee it. You know we shouldn't be we shouldn't be uh, mis, misusing the resources. We should be preserving resources. Um, you know you can you can be somebody who's environmentalist in the sense of like almost worshiping the creation, and that's not good. But all Christians should have a concern that we have clean water and that we have clean air and that we are aware of. Uh, Overforesting and things like that, we should have good, sound uh, environmental policy because we believe that God has given us this planet to oversee and we want to be responsible with what God has given us. So, yes, we are the dominant species on the planet, but that doesn't mean that we should, uh, you know, hunt animals until they're extinct or that we should overfish or any of those things. So, we are the dominant species on the planet, and we are really important. Genesis 5 verses 1 and 2 says that we were made in the image or the likeness of God. Does that mean that we're God? No, not even close. But what it means is that in somehow, in some way, God created us in his own image, and people have different suggestions about what that means, I, I tend to take a yes and approach. If somebody says that being made in the image of God is being creators because God is a creator and and then human beings are to go and create, to create culture, to create society, to create buildings, to create infrastructure, to create technology, I'd say yes and. If somebody says that, that Uh, God is a God who builds relationships. So human beings are to be relational. I say, yes, and. If someone says that human beings are Trinitarian, God is Father and Son and Holy Spirit and human beings are body and soul and mind, I would say, yes, and. All of those things are, I believe, part of being made in the image of God. But because we are made in the image of God and no other creature on this planet, you know, we just got a dog a couple weeks ago and we love our dog. Scout is is wonderful. But Scout was not made in the image of God. Um, We've been watching since we got Disney Plus. There's a lot of nature shows on Disney Plus. And we were watching one with a tiger recently. And I love tigers. Tigers, I think I said this the other week, but I'm so excited for the lion laying down with the lamb part of heaven because I want to hang out with tigers and grizzly bears. But they were not made in the image of God. They were not made in the image of God. So what we say is, are we basically good or are we basically evil? God says that we were created good, but we were born basically evil. And any good that we know is either because of the influence of God's work or because we are still made in his image. And even though it's disturbed and distorted, there's still enough there for us to know how to do something good. Are we the dominant species? Are we really that important? Yes human beings are really that important and really that valuable. And when you see another human being, it doesn't matter if they are old or young, if they are rich or they are poor, if they are gay, or if they are straight, if they're Republican, if they're Democrat, it doesn't matter who they are. They are inherently valuable because we are made in the image of God. The last question that we asked, you know, what's the story we tell? And we said, Some people tell a story that human beings are getting better, and some people tell a story that human beings are essentially getting worse. Here's here's what the Bible says. Things have always been bad. Since since Adam and Eve first sinned, things have always been bad, and in some ways they will get better, and in some ways they will get worse. Acts chapter 2, verses 16 through 21, uh, the Holy Spirit has descended on the church and Peter is now preaching the gospel to thousands, and it's the first time that uh, basically uh, a gospel message like this has been preached to a large crowd, and the crowd is asking, what is going on? We see all of these people praising God in different languages, because part of how the Holy Spirit had moved in those first believers was that they were speaking in languages that they did not know, praising God in languages they did not know. And Peter says this, this is verse 16. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Joel was a guy who lived hundreds of years before Jesus. He was a prophet and he, in his writings, he said this, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. By the way, I think he's just being poetic. I, I think young women can see visions and old women can see dreams too. Even on, and how do I know that? Check out verse 18. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire mixed and billows of smoke. The sun will turn to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the great and the glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." Okay, so what the Bible says, and I think this says this all through the Bible, this is just a part of the Bible that I think is a little bit focused. The Bible says this, are things getting worse or are things getting better? Both. Both. You were born into sin. I was born into sin. We were in darkness. We were in chains and bondage of sin. And then the light of God came through and we saw Jesus and our chains were broken and we were taken from the darkness into the light. We were lost and now we are found. That is better. And in these last days, And now Peter said 2,000 years ago, that was the last days. And so if we were in the last days 2,000 years ago, we are even more so in the last last days now. But Peter said, in the last days, God is pouring out his spirit. On young and old, on men and women, he is pouring out his spirit. That is better. And as the kingdom of God takes hold in the lives of people, that is better. But things are also going to get worse. When when you read things like, you know, uh, blood and fire and billows of smoke and the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon turned to blood, oh, that's not good. In fact, the the evil of people is going to get so bad that Jesus actually said in Matthew 24 that if God didn't shorten the days that no one would survive. And so what, he, what he's saying is, if, if there didn't come a point where God says no more, and I believe that time is coming when God will eventually say no more, that we as people will get so evil, we will get so evil that we would destroy ourselves. And we have the ability to do it. It's not just that we can do it, it's which way can we do it. Which way could we destroy ourselves? Whether it was nuclear winter or biological terrorism or famine uh, that's caused by selfishness the way that uh, you know, Mao uh, caused the deaths of millions uh, through famine and, and the, the, the great leap forward or, or you know, the biological uh, terror, the research that's, that goes on in secret, guaranteed it goes on in secret. That's how evil we are. It's not just that we have the ability to destroy ourselves, it's we have multiple options for destroying ourselves. And yet God in his mercy will someday come and say, no more, I can't allow you to do this because I care about you too much. So the story that we tell is conflicting and confusing and sometimes contradictory. The story that God tells is pretty straightforward. God created something pure, and perfect. And yes, we messed it up, but God has brought a means of restoration and redemption that through Jesus, that which was bad is being restored into something that is good. And God does not see you. If you are in Christ, he does not see you and look and say, sinner. He looks at you and sees Jesus and he says, holy. And then God knows that we are still in this body, physical body, dealing with the the consequences of living in a fallen world. And, you know, Jesus said to Peter, the spirit is willing, but, you know, the the flesh is weak, the skin, this body, the the desires, the appetites. And so God, through his Holy Spirit, begins this work of, of purifying us and breaking free bondage. and and restoring and redeeming to to how things were supposed to be. So what story do we live by? If we tell the story that things are getting worse or things are getting better, whether that is a lie or whether that is the truth, is 100% based or connected to the source of that statement. So if you say that people are just getting worse, it is true if you say that based on people's own initiative and strength, we as a people are on a course to our own destruction. I believe that is true and it is biblical. But if you say that people are getting worse and there's no hope for people, that is false because you are not factoring in the redeeming, saving work of Jesus Christ. If you say that people are getting better, why? Well, because we're evolving in science and technology, and there's a hope that one day we'll just have world peace and and we'll eventually learn so much that we will understand how to get beyond our primal, our reptilian natures, and we will find a way to live in a utopian society. Good luck with that good luck with that. You have faith. I don't want to be disrespectful of anyone's faith, but your faith has no basis in human experience. Some of the smartest people in the world have also been some of the most evil. Some of the most advanced societies ever have committed the most horrendous atrocities. While England was fighting for freedom and liberating Europe, it was oppressing and repressing millions and millions of people on the Indian subcontinent. While America fought for freedom, we interned our own citizens because of the color of their skin. My math teacher. In middle school, Howard Anoya, who's now with Jesus. That man loved Jesus. And I remember more about how he loved Jesus than anything he taught me in math. And, and he, as a math teacher, probably agreed with me. But he was, as a young boy, he was interned and taken from his home in Seattle and put in prison as a young boy, just because of the color of his skin, while we fought for freedom. To understand that you could say, oh, we're getting better. We're evolving. That's counter to human experience. That's counter to human history. I have great hope for humanity as long as Jesus is in, th- in the equation. And if Jesus is not in the equation, then we are on a collision course with our own self destruction. We are doomed. We cannot save ourselves, and if you think that your family will get better, your life will get better, your world will get better apart from God. Now you could quit drinking, and and, and I've seen this where I'm specifying drinking just for the analogy, so, so understand it could be other things, but you could quit drinking, you could get sober, and, and you aren't hitting your, you know, when you get, when you drink, you get angry. And when you get angry, you hit people or you say hurtful things. And now you don't do that anymore because you're, you're, you've, you've gotten sober. That's great. And that's better. I don't, I don't deny that's better. But what has changed other than there's a little more peace in your home, because if there's no peace in your heart, if there's no peace in the heart of the people, you no longer abuse or hit or or terrorize. That's good that you're not doing that anymore. But nothing has come in and replaced. The situation has not changed. You've just removed the coping mechanism for the hurt that is still there. We are doomed and we cannot save ourselves. And the coping mechanisms that we try they never save us. But here's the truth. Are we good or are we bad? I believe that we are basically evil. We can do good things because of the influence of God in this world, or because of, of the parts of our inherent being made in the image of God. You know, people use this term we are image bearers of God. We have capability of doing good things. Some of us are better than others, but ultimately all of us are doomed. All of us are evil. All of us are sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God. But here's the thing, we are loved. You are loved and you are highly, highly valued. Valued so much that God came to rescue you. That when Jesus died, he didn't just die for people. He died for you. He died for you. You are highly loved. You are highly valued. You are so important to God that he came after you. He came after me. So the story of people is this. Even though we are sinners, even though we are doomed, even though left to our own devices, we will destroy ourselves. God has a purpose for us. God has a a path for us to walk. God has great love and concern for you. You are highly loved. You are highly valued. And of all the creatures that we know of, you are the only species, the only creation that Jesus has died to save. And that is the story of people. It's not hopeful unless Jesus is in the equation and Jesus wants to be in the equation. And so if you do not have a saving faith, Jesus wants to take you out of this doom and destruction and give you a new life, a fresh start. And if you are saved if you have a saving faith Jesus doesn't want to just leave you there he has plans and purposes for you he has a future and a hope for us to walk in let's believe that and let's trust that and wherever you are at right now wherever you are if you are watching and you're watching on your couch on your phone on your TV on your laptop listening to this podcast as you're as you're going for a walk or doing work Wherever you are at, know that God hears your prayer. Jesus, save me. Jesus, change me. I want to walk in your good ways. And let me know if you've prayed that prayer. My email is adam at faithonhill.com. Let me know. We'd love to hear from you. God bless you.